You're listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast, a podcast covering the world of Mormon arts and examining the intersection between faith and creativity. For more Mormon arts news and interviews, please visit mormonartist.net. Welcome to the Mormon Artist Podcast. Today we have with us Sheila Miner. Hi, Sheila. Hi, Catherine. Sheila Miner is the current editor-in-chief of Segula, which is an online uh, journal and blog which features the writings of uh, Mormon women. Um, is there anything else that you want to say about the mission of Segula for those who maybe not be familiar with it? I would say one thing that's significant about our mission is that we are really working at um, encouraging emerging writers and fostering, liter- we talk about fostering literary talent in our mission statement. So uh, this is a good place to get started and to grow as a writer. And that's kind of how, well, this is kind of the place where I sort of discovered my own writing chops when I was a beginning writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have noticed that with the uh, contest and some of the blog posts that a lot of um, the contributors are people who haven't necessarily had a lot of experience writing previously. Mm-hmm. So. Uh-huh. Um, okay, well, the reason that for this interview is that uh, Segula has a writing contest every year. Um, submissions are due the last day in December, right? December 31st? Yes. I remember because I've actually submitted to it. I submitted to it twice previously. I didn't last year, but. Um, uh-huh. And then they're uh, judged and published in the spring. And so the uh, award winners were just um, announced and their works were, were uh, put up on the online journal um, just this week. So I thought it would be good to talk a little bit about those. Um, so tell me a little bit about... Um, um, how that submissions process goes, kind of what you're typically looking for, who tends to submit, how the judging goes. Okay. Just so really briefly. Typically what we, what we do is we, uh, we have kind of a big, uh, when December 31st hits or January 1st hits, we look through everything that we've got. And one thing that we have been noticed over the last few years is that we've really tried to promote um, submissions from university students and really plugged at the college level, making contacts with, you know, undergraduate and graduate creative writing programs and not just kids and students in creative writing programs, but from all over the university. And we have found that we are getting a lot of great submissions from students or from people in that demographic, graduate students or students in creative writing, and that were also, you know, a lot of when I started writing for Segala, we tended to get a lot of young mom stories, and we still get some of those, but those tend to be some of the demographics that we draw from more extensively. And um, this year, we would love to see more submissions. 
Um, this year we had about 20 submissions in our poetry contest and, and, um, I would guess a similar number for our prose information or for our prose stuff too. I'm so sorry. My four-year-old is not cooperating. (laughs) Oh, that's just fine. Um, all right. So tell me about um, some of your some of the contest winners this year. Maybe we can start with Ephemeral Wings by Mark K. Okay, Brown. So that was the poet uh, Mark- the poet winner this year. Poetry. Yeah, winner. so um, Mark K. is someone who has written for Sagalos several times. We love Mark K.'s work. Um, and one thing that I really like about Ephemeral Wings, um, it's based on a a James Christensen painting and it's a very visual poem and I love that about it. And um, so she kind of talks about kind of seems to describe a little bit about what she sees in the, in the painting, but then uh, everything kind of is turned on its head in the last few lines of the poem. And I'm um, where she, uh, draws a sort of unexpected conclusion and I'm pulling it up right now so I can uh so I can look at it where she talks about this what I assume is kind of a fairy in an orchard and then um the and it's very descriptive and beautiful and then she's the last four five lines read we lament the eyes anatomy our need to blink our eyes heavy as Leviticus which I love because it kind of brings us back out of the um the kind of beautiful image she creates in the first two thirds of the poem. Yeah, I really thought that those those last two lines were kind of unexpected, and they added some weight to the poem. Um, at first, mm-hmm. it seems kind of it talks mm-hmm. about um, she puffs hundreds of wings skyward, twirls, captures white dandelion chaff, and it's this really beautiful but kind of light, you know, airy uh-huh. um, image. And then and then at the end of it, there is this turn, and there's this kind of weight added to it that I thought was was really. It's really interesting, and I love that she um, that it was a response to a work by James James Christensen. Because I personally, I love to see um, Mormon artists um, responding to each other's works creatively. I think that that's um, uh-huh. creates a really neat um, creative discussion in, in the Mormon community. Mm-hmm. For sure, and I mean, well, one thing one thing about that was that I looked when I was putting the issue together, I looked for the painting and wasn't able to find it. And I, you know, instead used sort of an abstract painting from, from uh, Paige Anderson, who's our featured artist right now. And we really love working with, with our artists too. And I guess my little plug for that is that we also have an art contest, but we get so few submissions. We've had so few submissions over the last few years that we haven't, um, we haven't awarded an art award, although we would, be happy to award a, a cash award to an art contest to for our art contest too. So um, we we don't just have a writing we don't just have writing contests. We also have an art contest. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I actually didn't know that. That's good to know. Okay, so the fiction winner um, was by uh, a piece by Kathy Cowley called Young Grui and the Tree of Life. So tell tell us a little bit about that one. Okay, so this is our fiction winner, and Kathy Cowley talks in her bio about how she's been fascinated ever uh, about with Chinese culture and Chinese art since 
since she was 16, she says, and she studied Mandarin and Chinese brush painting. And Chinese brush painting features very prominently in this story, uh, which is the story of uh, a family, a family living in mainland China. Um, and the father of the family is um, Yonggui, and he is a chemical engineer who was educated in the United States. And while he was in the United States, he joined the church and uh, returns to China, marries, has a son, and um, they're raising their their family as Mormons in China. But that's kind of tangential. Well, it's important, but kind of not the main narrative of the story, which is that uh, Yangri's six-year-old son, Shen, is dying. And Shen, uh, kind of drawing back, hearkening back to stories um, about uh, for, stories from like Chinese fables. Uh, he talks about uh, stories that his father's told him, one about a dragon painting and one about a river a painting of a river. And both of these paintings kind of had magical properties that help uh, the people who, for whom the paintings were, were painted. And uh, Shen, the little boy, asks his father to create a tree, uh, to paint a tree for him. And Yangri goes on and, and paints uh, a tree of life for his son. And uh, I'm not going to give away the ending, but the but Yangri hopes as the story progresses that the that some of the kind of magical properties that have been um, that have been hinted at in these other stories that Shen alludes to will also kind of infuse his own work. So that one's a really interesting story drawing on, you know, Chinese fables and uh, which is really evident in the way that Cowley writes. She seems to sort of be mimicking that, that fable style herself in her writing, which I, I think she does a really great job capturing. Yeah. One of the things that I liked about this piece, well, I guess conceptually was just that, um, um, kind of more global international Mormon stories um, are starting to get a little more of a toehold mm -hmm. in the Mormon literature community. We're starting to see a little more of that. Um, and she really does a great job of kind of word painting this, um, this rich mm -hmm. cultural environment that she's depicting. Um, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And... And I think it's interesting that she included the Tree of Life as part of the mm -hmm. story because um, one of the things that I've noticed in interviewing um, Mormon painters and also just in kind of looking at Mormon art in general is that there there actually are, we have enough of a body of work now that there are kind of little subgenres. Um, mm -hmm. And in visual art, there are a lot of depictions of the Tree of Life. Um, mm -hmm. so it, it's, it's interesting in a way it, it reminds me kind of, of, um, of the poem that we just talked about that mm -hmm. it seems to be, um, responding to some of that art that is out there that Mormons have depicted because, um, the tree of life is something, if you look at the church's international art competition and you're looking for what are common Mormon themes in international Mormon artwork the tree of life is one of, is one that comes up quite a bit so I, I like that she 
depicted that it, it feels very authentic. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I, that's something that I've noticed too. I have a, a close friend who's a painter who actually her her painting in the upcoming art exhibit is a painting of a, of a tree. And I think she calls it an olive tree, but it, it has like silver fruit, you know, that could, could eat, that seems to hearken very closely to that whole tree of the whole tree of life theme that I've noticed as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about really quickly the third piece, which, uh, it's a creative nonfiction called okay. Imperfect Instruments, a three-part harmony. And this is by E.B. Right. E. Wheeler. Um, so tell me sure. a little bit about that one. Okay. So in this story, E.B. Wheeler um, talks about, uh, she opens the the essay with uh, the story of her, ac- her accident, which um is a spinal cord. She has a spinal cord injury from a car accident, I believe. And how she's told in the hospital from her spinal cord injury that she's never going to walk again. She's probably to go back to it. She said, my neck and back were broken in three places and my brain was bleeding. I probably wouldn't pull through if it did. If I did, I might be in a vegetative state. I almost certainly wouldn't walk again. And then she goes on in the next paragraph and says, one of my only waking memories is of the missionaries giving me a blessing. I don't know how they found me. Maybe it was because of the CTR ring. The nurse cut off my swelling finger. I also don't recall much of what they said, except for two things. You will recover completely. Don't give up your musical pursuits. And so she kind of goes on from there in uh, kind of back and forth from the rehab period to the, the, like distant past that followed the rehab period to a more recent past kind of back and forth talking about her, um, how she kind of proves the doctors wrong and how the music, the musical pursuits help her, the the music that she plays helps her recovery and kind of makes her recovery possible. And, uh, so that's kind of what, that's kind of the 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 scope of the essay yeah and she she uses some really interesting imagery she kind of compares herself to a broken instrument mm-hmm. um because uh, and she talks about lots of different instruments that she she tries and uses and uh, and a lot of them seem to be broken her broken voice and her her harp and her the she talks about the the violin, how she, you know, she talks, kind of relates herself to a scratchy violin and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm, I'm just noticing this actually, as we're talking about it. it, it's referencing other, other art forms. She, she mentions the Mormon Tabernacle Choir at one point and, um, some, um, a carol, Oh Holy Night that, um, Mm-hmm. And um, how great thou art! She mentioned some hymns that she enjoys singing, and and um, so that that's kind of interesting that you got three pieces that um, mm-hmm. that weave in those other those other art forms and kind of reference them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, and that's something that I that I hadn't noticed until you mentioned it, and and I kind of I like that about that these pieces. Um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, this just gives a very brief introduction um, for those who would like to to read uh, the essays. They're on the Segula um, online journal, which is journal.segula, S-E-G-U-L-L-A-H.org. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess my last question, because I know you need to go, um, would be, um, what are you kind of hoping for the future of the contest? Um, and what, what, how do you feel about where it's been and, and kind of, what are you kind of hoping for where it's going? We're definitely hoping for more submissions and to get the word out to, for two people to submit in any way that we can, uh, just because we um, we would really like to, we really like giving out these awards, and we also often will use pieces that have been submitted uh, that aren't exactly right as as a contest winner um, to be represented in the journal in other months. We are um, well, our poetry winners aren't uh, don't aren't edited after they're submitted. We do work with our, our prose team does work with both our essays and our fiction pieces. Uh, and a lot of the submissions that are not pri- contest winners will go on to be featured in our journal in other months uh, throughout the other months of the year. So there's a great opportunity for people to find their work. Uh, if they want their work to be published, to uh, to submit to the contest, and uh, there's a, a great chance that even if their work is not a contest winner, that it will be printed in the journal at some point. Um, and I also think it's a great opportunity to work with a really fantastic body of editors. Um, uh, Holly Baker, who's our prose editor, is just finishing up a PhD in creative nonfiction, and she is fantastic, and she works with a wonderful team of prose editors. And Lara Niedermeyer, who is our poetry editor, just has a total gift with poetry and also a great team of poetry editors who are really eager and enthusiastic about helping people develop their skills and um, feel confident as, as writers. And so I feel like this is a really great nurturing place to get started as a writer uh, and also a place to, to, um, to display, you know, writing talents that have already emerged, but, um, but we really want to foster literary talent across the spectrum uh, from all different kinds of Mormon women. And, and I think this, this year we're really pleased with what we've, um, with, with the quality of the work that we have uh, that has received awards in the contest. And we just hope that that quality uh, just continues to, uh, to be really strong as we, as we move forward in the next few years. Okay. Well, I certainly appreciate what Segula um, is contributing to the Mormon literary community. I think it's, I think it's a really important um, place where writers, particularly um, Mormon women writers can foster their, Mm -hmm. their talents and um, start telling their stories. Well, thanks for speaking with us today, Sheila. Thank you, Catherine.
Thank you for listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast. For more episodes, please visit mormonartist.net.